Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of a very stable podcast. And my name is Stephen Reed. I'm your host today. You can follow me on Twitter at NiceReadSteve. Follow the podcast at a very stable pod. Check out all the work over at StampedeBlue.com. And whoo boy, do we have an episode for you today because Jim Ursay brought the fire, the fire on Tuesday at the NFL owners meeting calling out Dan Snyder. We're going to get to that here in a little bit. That's going to be the meat of our podcast there in the middle. First, we're going to talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars game that the Colts needed a a big division win. They got it against the Jaguars. We're going to talk about some positive, negative stuff there. We're going to talk about the Jim Irsay comments on Dan Snyder, which I think caught everybody by surprise. But as a Colts fan, I couldn't be more proud of Jim Irsay as an owner. I think that that's fantastic what he said. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the Tennessee Titans game coming up this week, and it's a big division matchup in the AFC South. So we're going to go in that order. So to start with Jacksonville, first I want to give a shout out to Dennis Kelly. He came in, played that left tackle position, played it very, very well. He was able to come in and uh, he took over for Bernard Raymond after the first series. And quite honestly, it was pretty clear that Matt Ryan felt a lot more comfortable there. The one issue that I did have with the offensive line was, again, Matt Pryor. Matt Pryor there, he almost got Matt Ryan killed a couple times because he just doesn't block people. And thankfully, there being it right there at the right guard position, Matt Ryan had an opportunity to see the guys that were coming at him. So it, it maybe negated it a little bit versus when Pryor was at left tackle and Matt Ryan did not see them coming at him. The offensive line played great today. Matt Ryan, I believe, had 52 passes. Uh, on the day. It was way up there in terms of his numbers. He had uh, 350 plus yards, uh, a couple touchdowns, no interceptions, and most importantly for the Colts, no sacks there at the offensive line. So I was really happy with how they ended up coming together there. Again, I think that moving forward, they should look to potentially move Matt Pryor out of the lineup, maybe out of the roster, and give a guy like, you know, maybe give Danny Pinter another opportunity there, maybe give Will Fries an opportunity there. Give somebody a chance there. Maybe move down Danny Pinter to center and Ryan Kelly over to guard. Ryan Kelly's body makeup is actually a little bit better suited for guard than anybody else they have on the roster right now. And so I think they need to make some kind of move there at the offensive line position to try to help the team move forward and and solidify the interior of that offensive line. And kind of directly correlated to that, Matt Ryan had some time to throw this time, even though his time to throw was actually faster than it had been all season because he wasn't having to run for his life immediately. 
And the wide receivers had a good game. Michael Pittman had a career high in receptions at 13. He had a, a, over 130 yards. Alec Pierce really showed up big. Obviously, that, that last play of the game was huge for the Colts. Being able to have Matt Ryan recognize single coverage, man-to-man uh, -man over there on Alec Pierce, and having the faith in Alec Pierce that Matt Ryan threw the ball up and said, go get it. And Alec Pierce went up, got it, won the game. If you get an opportunity to, I highly recommend checking out Colts.com uh, or the Colts social media on Twitter and looking at the overlay of Matt Taylor, Maytay Colts. Given his reaction, he's a play-by-play -play guy there for the Colts. Everybody knows him at this point, but seeing his overlay with the Alec Pierce touchdown is one of the coolest things. Matt, we love the fact that you gave him the, the over-the-shoulder catch uh, showing it while you're while you're recording it just you can tell how much Matt Taylor loves the Colts and loves his team and it's always a, a really cool thing to see somebody that's in that position get that opportunity so you see the wide receivers they were improving Paris Campbell had probably his best overall game in a Colts uniform this past week it was really good to see him I think you're seeing Frank Reich and Marcus Brady use the wide receivers in, a, in the best way they can Alec Pierce was a guy that can win on the outside Michael Pittman Jr. is a guy that can win over the middle. You have Michael Pittman Jr. and Paris Campbell in the slot. Michael Pittman Jr. running crossers, Paris Campbell running through the middle. Those guys are big yards after catch guys. And so I think that having them run those routes is just a really smart move by Frank Reich. And it gives Matt Ryan an opportunity to get that ball out quick, which is important given that the offensive line has struggled over the course of the year. The defense did enough uh, this week. Uh, they they made plays when they had to. They were able to get some sacks in there. So you're really excited to see that, see the defense still come together. The one qualm I still have is Brandon Faison playing over Isaiah Rogers. I think Isaiah Rogers is objectively the better cornerback. When Gus Bradley was questioned on this by some reporters in, in one of the press conferences, he pushed back by just saying that Brandon Faison has – familiarity with the system but recognize that he had made some mistakes and so I still am a little bit concerned that Gus Bradley is given facing the nod over Isaiah Rogers because ultimately you want your best players to play Isaiah Rogers out snapped Brandon facing the past couple weeks and so that's that's good to see but at the same time Isaiah Rogers should be your third cornerback in this system you know you Gus Bradley mentioned you need four you have four you have four cornerbacks. You've got Stephon Gilmore. You've got Kenny Moore. You've got Brandon Faison, and you've got Isaiah Rogers. The question is how you play those guys. So really, to me, I think that Brandon Faison to be the dime corner that comes in on dime. I think Isaiah Rogers should be your starter uh, and be playing in nickel. So that's kind of where I'm at with this. So I'm hopeful to see the Colts defense start to move forward. I'm very hopeful for the offensive line. And I really was impressed. It was a huge win for the Colts to go ahead and get that that AFC South win against Jacksonville, who has given the Colts a lot of issues over the past few years. And so I'm glad to see them get this win, move themselves up to have the same number of wins as the Tennessee Titans there in the AFC South. Colts looking at 3-2-1. and one. Tennessee coming off a bye. They're at 3-2. and two. So I was very excited to see the Colts make this get this win put themselves back in position finally get their first win in the AFC South in four games which obviously should have been three wins at this point but again issues sometimes come up and, and you lose games it is what it is 
So yeah, that's going to be it. I'm just going to leave it pretty simple for that. I was really excited with how they, how they played this week. And I'm really, really excited about how the offensive line and the wide receivers are progressing again, give shout out to also to the, the tight ends. Kylan Granson is really being able to play that F tight end, that move tight end very well in this system. So I'm glad to see that he's also coming along now that he's got a year under his belt. Moving on, the big show right now is Jim Ursay and Daniel Snyder. What I want to do is I'm going to give you the, the question that Jim Ursay got on Daniel Snyder, and then I'm going to give him the audio from him and his response. So the first question Jim Ursay was asked was, has Dan Snyder been a topic of conversation? And this was Jim Ursay's response. You know, it's a difficult situation. Um, you know, I believe that there's merit to remove him as owner. I think it's something that uh, we have to review. We have to look at all the evidence and we have to be thorough in going forward. But, um, you know, I think it's something that has to be given serious consideration to. Then the next question there that Jim Arce got was, do you believe enough people agree with you that that's a realistic possibility, meaning do enough owners agree with you based on that assessment that removing Daniel Schneider is a realistic possibility? So here was Jim Arce's response to that. Unfortunately, I believe that that's the road we probably need to go down and we just need to finish the investigation. But it's gravely concerning to me um, the things that have occurred there over the last 20 years. Those quotes are just absolutely wild to me. And I am, again, like I said before, I am super proud to be a Colts fan, to have Jim Ursay stand up to Dan, Daniel Snyder like that. Daniel Snyder, in his response, actually, spokesperson made a response to that. And I'm going to go ahead and read that for you now. It is highly inappropriate, but not surprising that Mr. Ursay opted to make statements publicly based on falsehoods in the media. It is unfortunate that Mr. Mr. Ursay decided to go public with his statement today while an investigation is in the process and the team has not had an opportunity to formally respond to the allegations. The commanders have made a remarkable progress over the past two years. We are confident that when the opportunity to see the actual evidence is in the case, Mr. Ursay will conclude that there is no reason for the Snyders to consider selling the franchise and they won't. That's an interesting statement from the Washington Commanders, from their spokesperson, because they're, uh, it's a lot of falsehoods, to be honest. Uh, they, they're actually the ones that are putting out a bunch of falsehoods here. And it's wild that they sit there and tout their two years of, of really good, good behavior when they've had 25 years of really poor behavior. That's wild to me. You shouldn't be talking about, like, yeah, I'm glad that they've made some progress on it. But given the fact that there are a bunch of really serious allegations in terms of uh, workplace harassment, you know, discrimination, financial allegations, it's wild to me that Daniel Snyder would say this. Apparently, this also mirrors what he said when regards to changing the name from the Washington Redskins, said that he would never do that. And then he did. Uh, quite honestly, I think the tone of this statement from Daniel Snyder and the commanders is really off-putting to probably a lot of owners because he's basically saying that he's not going to sell the team no matter what. Quite honestly, he doesn't have a choice. If it comes out that the owners, 24 owners, agree that they need to force him out, he doesn't have a choice. He has to sell the team. There's really no 
no recourse for him there. I've heard a couple legal scholars say, oh, well, Daniel Snyder, based on Jim Irsay's remarks, Daniel Snyder might be able to argue that Jim Irsay had already made up his mind prior to the evidence being presented. I would say in a judicial proceeding, that would be the case. However, this isn't a judicial proceeding. This isn't a jury. There's no legal aspect of it uh, in terms of bias, anything like that. So regardless on whether Jim Ursay would have felt this way before or after the evidence or whether he would have said anything before the after the evidence, there is really no recourse for Daniel Snyder to say that Jim Ursay's mind was already made up, so his opinion shouldn't count. Because it's 24 owners, all they have to do is agree that Daniel Snyder needs to go, and he's gone. And it's not a judicial proceeding, so the the inherent or explicit bias by one member over the course of the proceeding really doesn't matter. So looking at this, I love that, again, Jim Ursay said this. I think Jim Ursay is actually the perfect owner to be the one that takes on Daniel Snyder head on. And it just kind of reminds me, Jim Ursay's statement right there, there's another statement that he said that basically, hey, you know what, if there's been rumors, allegations of Daniel Snyder hiring private investigators, if you want to hire a private investigator to come after me, that's fine. You can go around with that till the cows come home, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to stop. I thought that was really telling, and it just reminded me of the scene, The I don't know how many people know the movie 8 Mile, but the scene at the end where there's the big rap battle and Eminem, his character, says to Papa Doc, he says, here, tell these people something they don't know about me and tosses the mic in his chest. That's ultimately what Jim Irsay is doing here to Daniel Snyder. He's saying, here, do it. Tell them something they don't know about me. Why Jim Irsay is the perfect owner to be calling out Daniel Snyder in this situation is because Jim Irsay's skeletons are already out there and he's overcome them. And to me, that makes Jim Irsay the perfect owner because, again, his skeletons are out there. So what is what is Daniel Snyder going to do to Jim Ursay that that's going to do anything to him? And and I think it's really telling. There's another quote afterwards uh, at the end. Somebody had asked Jim Ursay about the commissioner's comments on it. And so uh, Jim Ursay said, hey, you should just ask the commissioner to find out what he thinks. So they, of course, went to Roger Goodell and they said, hey, Roger, you know, I there's no reason for, Roger Goodell said, there's no reason for speculation until the report comes out. But then reporters asked him, are you set upset with Jim Ursay speaking his mind? Roger Goodell simply said, no. You know what that tells me? That tells me that there are quite a few owners that feel this way. And Jim Ursay has been one that will always speak his mind. He speaks from the hip. He's very upfront, very honest with everybody. He's going to be a guy that is always going to just tell it how he feels. And so he might have said this regardless. My guess is, though, that Jim Ursay and Roger Goodell and the rest of the NFL owners read the room and they saw that there was enough support to get behind this. And rather than trying to force Daniel Snyder out, what they want to do is probably apply enough pressure for Daniel Snyder to voluntarily sell rather than be the first owner ever removed for conduct like this. But my guess is Jim Irsay and the rest of the owners came to agreement that Jim Irsay would be the perfect guy to send set this out because again, his baggage is all out there. You're not gonna find anything on Jim Irsay 
that's not already in the public eye. So that's the that's the big thing for me. I think one of the things that one of Jim Marcy's comments that I thought was really really cool again is as a husband and and a father. And Jim Irsay was asked, what concerns you the most about the situation? And he said, well, I just think it's happened in the workplace, having three daughters, seven granddaughters. That's just not, again, we have to look at the investigation, see the finality of certain things that have happened because there have been a lot of different things that have happened, but you can't shy away from the fact. It's an unfortunate situation, but I believe it's the best interest of the National Football League that we look, look at it squarely in the eye and deal with it. I think America, the world expects, expects us to as leaders. Jim Irsay, again, Bringing up the fact that he has this organization, Kicking the Stigma, charitable organization, trying to deal with mental health awareness, trying to promote diversity in the workplace, trying to promote inclusiveness. It's a reason why the Colts, when all of this stuff was going through with different aspects of, of American culture, they were on the forefront trying to get people registered to vote, trying to always be on the forefront of of issues, trying to represent even what their players represented more because they cared about people versus caring about other things. And so I think that it's really cool for Jim Irsay and the Colts organization to be at the forefront of this. I think it's really cool for Jim Irsay. Again, very proud to be a fan uh, that Jim Irsay would come out and say this. And the interesting, another interesting part for me is how this is going to go. Because the ESPN report last week prior to the Thursday night game with the Washington Commanders, it's interesting that it came out when it did because it was right before a primetime game. And it had some pretty serious allegations. If you don't get an opportunity to, I highly recommend going back and checking that out. It's on ESPN.com. You can go check it out, read the whole thing. It's a very long article. I will say that, preface this with that, is that it is a very long article, but I highly recommend go and take a look at it and give it a read. It's very informative of Daniel Snyder in the Washington organization. And Daniel Snyder, in he had sent out a a letter to owners prior, trying trying to get ahead of it, and basically saying that all of this, that all of those allegations in the in the article from ESPN, Daniel Snyder said that they are patently false and intended to erode the trust and goodwill between owners that I take quite seriously. And he goes on to say, I've never hired any private investigator to look into any owner or the commissioner. I have never instructed or authorized my lawyers to hire any private investigator on my behalf for such purpose. And I never would. Again, Daniel Snyder saying things that are patently false using his own language there against him. Daniel Snyder has hired private investigators to go after former employees that Congress found that in their investigations with the different workplace issues that they had, they found that Daniel Snyder had hired private investigators or the law firm that he hired has hired private investigators to investigate, follow, dig up information on people that were making accusations against Dan Snyder and the Washington Commanders, Washington football team at the time, maybe the Redskins at the time, who knows? It's been going on for so long. I imagine all three of those names would fit. But Daniel Snyder is saying that he never would do that. We already know that's false. So my guess is he's already done that to the owners. And him saying that he would never do that only makes the owners question it more because at that point, they probably already know he has. 
most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs who have big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. So... I look at that and I say, okay, Daniel Snyder trying to get ahead of it. I understand that letter went out is a dated October 17th. That was on Monday. Monday happens, get that letter. And then the next day, Jim RSA makes these comments about it. And again, I think these comments from Jim RSA were not explicitly sanctioned by the NFL, but I do think they were inherently sanctioned by the NFL. They're not going to say, yeah, Jim, you know, Mr. Ursley, go ahead and go say these things to the public. I think that this needs to get out there. No, they're going to give him a wink and a nod and say, well, you know, Jim, if you want to do that, that's fine. Go ahead. Do what, do your thing. Go, go do your thing. You know, we support you as an owner. It's wild because if you read the ESPN article, it's clear that Dan Snyder just doesn't have friends, like period, period doesn't have friends. And that he has walled himself off from owner, other owners and he thinks he's untouchable. So to have Jim Ursay, the one who really, like, they're not, like, Jim Ursay is the one guy that they don't want to see in this situation in terms of, of Dan Snyder saying that. Because when you, when you look at it just as a whole, Jim Ursay is the one owner who's, who's what the book is wide open for him. He has nothing to hide in there. And so everything that's been about him has been out in the public. I, I feel like I'm repeating myself a little bit on this, but again, I'm very proud of Jim Ursay for doing what he did, stepping up, making a statement against Daniel Snyder in the toxic environment that he has gone and cultivated over there at the Washington Commanders and the whole entire franchise. I think what's interesting too is because of Dan Snyder's issues, He's had other issues that results in the pocketbooks for NFL owners. So he hasn't been able to secure 
land in Virginia, Maryland, or DC to build a new stadium, which is wild because the NFL as a franchise, most places would love, 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 love to have an NFL franchise there because it, it brings them cloud, it brings them economic impact, and it brings jobs to the area. It's something that most localities really would like to have, even if you're going to have a lot of public funds that end up fronting the money for this, because quite honestly, in terms of the trade-off, you're going to get a lot of publicity for the area. You're going to get a lot of jobs, a lot of, uh, you've got a lot of economic impact that comes in and really helps out the local area for wherever that stadium is. The fact that Dan Snyder for the past three years has just overplayed his hand in each of this, where now it, originally he had Maryland, D.C., and Virginia all trying to negotiate with him to get the Washington Commanders to build the new stadium there. Now he doesn't have any of them. Like he's gone in Virginia specifically, and this is in the article uh, on ESPN.com, but in Virginia specifically, he had the two top people on both the Democratic and Republican side in the Virginia House who were supporting pushing through this bill, but it died in committee. And for those of you that don't know, for something to die in committee like that with the support of both the speaker and the the both the the heads of the Republican Democratic Party in that that position, that's wild for them for it to die in committee like that. But it was completely dead. So Dan Snyder said, okay, well, I'm gonna buy an option to buy these hundred acres or thousand acres in, in this area in Virginia. And everybody said, oh, well, he's got a deal with Virginia. And no, it comes out he's got an option to buy, which means he has nothing. And so it, it, he doesn't have a deal in place in Virginia. I think that's really irking NFL owners because quite honestly, the Washington Commanders, this franchise being in the nation's capital is a huge moneymaker for them. And Dan Snyder is basically wasting it away and blowing all the goodwill that that was built there. So. Again, I think Jim Irsay is the perfect owner to call him out. Again, his book is open. All his secrets are bare. Dan Snyder, th this had to have been his worst nightmare is for Jim Irsay to be the one that comes out. Because some of the other ones, Jerry Jones, we all know he's got some skeletons that haven't come out. Robert Kraft, he's got some skeletons that haven't come out. It, probably, I'm assuming. And so they're a little bit more hesitant to it. Jim Irsay, he just kind of throws two two middle fingers to the air and says come at me bro and dan snyder just doesn't know what to do so i think that's great i love the fact that jim ursay called him out and said what he said i think that it's very got a ton of merit to it because quite honestly nfl owners it's pretty clear they don't like dan snyder and they would much prefer him to be out and sold to another franchise Quite honestly, it's also going to increase the value of other franchises around the league because you just saw what the Denver Broncos sold for. You're, the Washington Commanders are going to sell for even more than that. So I think that's win-win for the NFL owners. They get rid of Dan Snyder. They have Jim Ursay be the one to call him out. And they're going to have a huge valuation for the, the price tag of the Washington Commanders. And it's going to move them along and keep making more money for the NFL owners. All right, I apologize for the length of it. I thought it was really important to get into the details of that because I just, again, love the fact that that happened. Let's move on to Tennessee. This game this weekend, it's at Tennessee in Nashville. It's for the AFC South lead. Tennessee is coming off a bye. They're three and two. The Colts are three, two, and one. 
coming in uh, after a really great opportunity there. They had the defense play well against Denver. They had the offense play well against Jacksonville. So hopefully they can put those all together and have a really good game down in Tennessee. It's also really important for the Colts to win this game down in Tennessee because it keeps that extra tiebreaker away from the Titans. Because if the Titans sweep the Colts, that means they've got a 2-0 against the Colts this season. That really kind of basically puts the Colts an extra game back because now you don't have that head-to-head tiebreaker if you guys end up in a tie for the division lead. Given that the Colts tied the Houston Texans early in the season, I don't think there's really, unless Tennessee ties a team later in the season, I don't think there's an opportunity for there to be a tie. But in case there were, you want to try to remove that. You obviously want the win. You want to go up a game and a half in the division because ultimately if the Colts win, Tennessee Titans are sitting there at three and three. Colts are there at 4-2-1-1. That puts them a game and a half up on the Titans on that win column. The big question marks I have for this game, there are big things that I want to look at for this game. Again, it comes down to the offensive line. I think the Colts need to get rid of Matt Pryor from the offensive line. I don't know who they're going to put in there, but I am terrified of Jeffrey Simmons on the Titans defensive line going against Matt Pryor. I think they actually moved Jeffrey Simmons over to face off against Matt Pryor in the initial game. So the Tennessee Titans might be really happy about that. Uh, I'm very concerned about it because Matt Pryor is a huge question mark for this team. I really want them to put somebody else in there that might be able to hold their ground against Pryor. Honestly, moving Ryan Kelly over is kind of a great idea. And having Danny Pinter play that center position, that, that could help negate Jeffrey Simmons. And I think if, if you can give Matt Ryan a little bit of time and a little bit more comfort, you saw what he can do. He can he can win you games and make great throws. But yeah, I, I think the defense for the Colts, what they need to do is they obviously need to be able to stop the run with their front four. Get Don't let Derrick Henry get going. You have to have the defensive backs key in on their assignments. You can't have missed tackles. Because missed tackles ends up in touchdowns. We saw that in the first Tennessee game. Brandon Faison missed a tackle. Derrick Henry had an 18-yard run for a touchdown, pretty much untouched. Later in the game, Isaiah Rogers had that exact same play call, stayed in his lane, stayed on his key, tackled Derrick Henry for a loss. So I think that's big. If the defense can get some turnovers off of Ryan Tannehill, I think that's going to be huge for them going forward. That's going to be it. Thanks again, everybody, for listening in. This is a very stable podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Reed. Give me a follow on Twitter at NiceReadSteve. Follow the podcast at A Very Stable Pod. Check out all the great work over at StampedeBlue.com. Give them a follow at StampedeBlue on Twitter. Remember to rate and review us by stars. I hope to talk to you again next week after a big Colts win. Let's go. Go Colts.